0: Here's Josh Cohen.
1: And welcome to yet another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book in hardcover and paperback and the dulcet tones of audio book as well. We're already to number 84, Stevie, 8-4, eight the Randy Moss edition of your little podcast. So it,
2: we, at every edition, we try and match it to a number. Eighty four is a good one. There are 84? plenty of really great eighty four. Eighty four
1: Summer Olympics. The Russians stayed home. McDonald's lost twenty five trillion dollars in free food. Do you remember that promotion? I don't. McDonald's had the whole promotion for the Olympics, and it was like any time the U.S. medals gold, you will get this. So and you get the little tickets at McDonald's, right? So
0: gold was a Big Mac.
1: Gold was a Big Mac, and you remember? Wow,
0: that? look
2: at
1: that. The Russians <laughs> stayed home because we sat out nineteen eighty. So the Russians stayed home, and McDonald's were like, "Oh, son of a bitch, we got all we got
2: to give away Where this do you food. put all of this? information. Where where do you keep it all?
1: Brett Brett knew the same story. Introduce us to your guest, please. So
2: I'm delighted that uh, my 30 plus year friendship, my uh, friend Brett Dunn is here from New York visiting. He was in town uh, for business for the Dan Marino Cigar Dinner, and he is gracing us with his presence. So welcome
0: some Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Proud to be here. Thank you, brother. I'm looking forward to spending some time together. Yeah, man.
1: And Brett's a survivor. In 30-plus years of friendship with you. Can you, imagine? you, you have to declare someone Can a survivor of that.
0: I should have two podcasts. For <laughs> <laughs> and then some. I'll back them up.
1: Managing director USA and Canada at Lucas Bowl. Yeah. This is the Dutch brand.
0: Yep. So Lucas Bowls is a Dutch company. Uh, It's the oldest, actually, the oldest uh, continuously operating spirits brand in the world. No kidding. Started distilling products back in 1575.
1: So you go way back in the industry. And, and, you know, Tony Soprano said there's three things that are recession proof, right? Booze and gambling and sex. And and you know,
0: oftentimes not they go, necessarily in that in order. that
1: order, right. but they often go hand in hand. Sometimes they do. Uh, booze business always seems to do pretty well.
0: Yeah, people drink, you know, in yeah. celebratory times, and also when things are not going so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've been fortunate that the industry year over year, especially on the spirit side, has continued to grow. So and it's, and it's ever changing, ever changing. But it's a business. competitive landscape, which is. is what's so interesting for us to
2: talk about today. Is people think, oh your liquor brand. Oh, I'm it's just going to sell itself. Mm-mm. Still the same sales challenges, mm-hmm. branding, messaging, motivating your sales team which I got the opportunity to work with the sales team in new york when they brought the global team together right, which in was nice. super super fun but i love that you know people just take for granted oh you're in the liquor business that must be so much fun mm-hmm. but it's not just all no you know? no, no it's not it's <laughs> a lot of
0: work it's you know we talked we've talked in the past about yeah. reinventing yourself and continuing to evolve and you know the industry has certainly changed over the years for so, sure
1: so liquor to me has always been fascinating um you know i was a college kid and I got a job with a promotions company in Baltimore in which I would go out and execute on premise promotions. Mm-hmm. And one of the brands was Jägermeister, which oh had God. this Ooh. sudden resurgence. People didn't realize it was this like I think German liqueur, right? Yep. That was, you know, served room temperature and they go, No, no, no. It has special properties, magical properties. Now we're seeing a shift in the, in the industry of spirits and, and beverage, adult beverage, where because of clean eating and health consciousness, males and females, what used to be Coors Light or light beers, and they went to tequilas. Now they're in love with these seltzer waters that are 5% alcohol by it's volume. It's so right. there's constant changes in the landscape.
0: There is. There is. You know, the, the millennial consumer is looking for healthier options, low-cal, low-ABV, Those are big buzzwords in the industry. We're adapting to some of that with our portfolio as well. It's definitely more than just a trend or a fad. It's something that as the consumer continues to age, as these millennials continue to age, Mm -hmm. a lot of these drinking habits will stay with them so the industry really has to evolve, has to continue to evolve.
1: Packaging and branding. We talk about it all the time. Packaging and branding. You know, you go, you, I go through the aisles at Target, and there's a piece of plastic out of, uh, out of China that's in a box with superheroes painted on it and a clear window display, and they sell it for $20, and literally, you know, it, it's just a piece of plastic from China. Packaging. Remember when Absolute came on the, the big marketing scene in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was Absolute this, Absolute that? And kids didn't know whether or not it was a good brand or not, but in every dorm room... Freshmen and sophomores had every ad taped up or posted up oh, to the yeah. wall because you were collecting. So they thought they oh this is the trendy chic brand. I was Packaging. just at
2: the uh, in Gainesville for the game against Auburn, and we went to the swamp. You know the first stop always there, mm-hmm. and the entire place had cans of Natural Light Seltzer. Yeah, right. Yep. You know I mean everywhere every table loaded with it. And the bartenders were pushing it, yeah. which is, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Natural Light it,
0: hard seltzer is, is the brand on college Oh, is it campus? really? Oh, oh yeah. Because
2: I had never even seen it. I, I thought Natural Light was a
0: beer. It uh, is. And it, beer. So it is. And, right. It, Natural Light is the beer on campus. And as these millennials have now moved away from beer. Crazy. They've they've reinvented I themselves mean they were with the seltzer, loaded with them,
2: and, and the natu- cans and cans and cans.
1: The natural ice phenomenon of which you speak is, you know, natty ice, right? Natty beers. It was always quantity, not quality. Right. It, it gives you some kind of cred in a bar stool sports mindset of, hey, we're drinking. It's the it's the college kid. I don't have money, but it still remains like the brand of just scraping by, even if you're a rich kid at a rich school. It's the weirdest phenomenon of the natural ice, the natty ice. That brand being, hey, um, I'm, I'm barstool minded. Hey, I'm I'm just getting by, even if this tuition sixty five thousand dollars a year. Right.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, you referred to the the action figure being branded and absolute being branded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, the the packaging, if you will, is about creating that lifestyle. And I always have felt that the spirits industry is kind of like the fashion industry and that, you know, what gets that kid or that mom or dad to buy that action figure, it's not the packaging on the shelf, but it's the brand that they've built around that individual package or, or what gets that person to order that vodka over the bar or that pick up that 12 pack of hard seltzer in a store is the branding and the imagery around it. It's not, it's, Less about the packaging itself and more about how you package yourself as a brand.
1: Yeah, I remember in like class one of Advertising 101 back at Towson State University, he said, you know, you're not selling the product, you're selling a lifestyle. For
0: sure.
2: You're selling a lifestyle. It's, it's the idea. Well, I mean, liquor in general tells you, hey, drink this and you get laid. I mean, that's like, okay, good. You know? that's, so definitely that's definitely lifestyle. The, that's lifestyle. Well, that's it.
1: I mean, I joke about it on the air, but there's an ad campaign that you guys will remember. That uh, some of the younger listeners will not remember, but I remember being a little kid and watching Billy D. Williams on TV pushing Colt 45 because, quote, it worked every time. And there was a woman and he was a fireplace. And I go, so Colt 45, it works every time. In other words, it's going to get her drunk and then he's going to have sex. And that campaign you couldn't run today, which works.
0: How about this one? Have you seen the new Heineken commercials? I have not. So Heineken has a non alcoholic beer. Yes. And the commercial is the beer you can drink at work. Yes. And they literally show 10 guys sitting around a boardroom at 930 in the morning, out of sucking down a Heineken non-alcoholic True. beer. True. Wow. That's True. unbelievable. Like That is unbelievable. Where did that come from? What, right. And ha-
2: right. can you actually imagine that happening? No. No.
0: Of no. Course my that. wife, we were laying in bed and my wife was like, where? This would never happen. Oh my like, God. Could you imagine a real <laughs> boardroom like, you know. All right, morning guys, you know, <laughs> let's pop open our, you know, you'd all be fired. But
1: they're not guessing. I mean, Heineken, a major global brand. Not but guessing. Major another Dutch
0: brand, another Dutch
1: brand. Another Dutch brand. But, you know, that's like a, that's a madman mindset.
0: Right. Right. But they're, sure. ten,
1: they're 10 years late on that. The madman thing was 2009-ish.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, brands.
2: So, so, I have a question about the Dutch, working with a Dutch company. So, I spoke to a buddy of mine. He's the uh, global head of uh, finance for this uh, leasing product product for the automobile business globally. Right. And I said, we were just BSing, I said, what's your biggest challenge? He said the differences in culture, like he's an aggressive Texas guy, you know, going to other parts of the world, that doesn't play as well. And so, you know, do you run into that in your... Because you are heading up a global brand. They're based in... In Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, which... Anytime you want to take me to the corporate office, and they seem to you like what it. I did. So, it's... Podcast eighty four B,
0: there you go, <laughs> part two. There you right, go. So I'm
2: curious to know, like, how do you manage that? Because you have people all over the world selling
0: this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty straightforward guy. And if I had to define the Dutch, they're pretty straightforward. They want to hear it like it is. They want okay. you to tell them the truth. They don't want you know. They don't want the emperor's new clothes story. They don't want. They don't want you to solve every problem. They want to be your partner and helping to uh, fix the problems that are maybe going on either in a particular market or with a particular brand. You know, but at the end of the day, they're you know, they're really collaborative, and um, my personality has blended very well with theirs. In fact, you know, during the initial interview processes, when we were getting to know each other. They thought that. I may actually be a little Dutch because of my directness. No kidding. No. And um, did but, you do Twenty Three and Me or? No, 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 no. I, I, don't want my DNA out there anywhere. You know, <laughs> FBI, yeah. FBI might come knocking sooner rather than Statue later. limitations. I am, I am staying clear of Twenty Three and Me. But, um, but no, it's been great. It's been great, and it's nice. You know, I was on the on the wholesale side for twenty five or so years. You know, the wholesale side is a very short game. You know, you're. You're worried about your next week, your next day, your next month. Being Mo- on moving the, bottles, yeah, moving bottles, moving boxes. You know, having share in accounts, share on wine list, real estate, grab real estate. You know, on the wholesale side, it's really about on the on the I'm sorry, on the brand side, mm-hmm. it's really about the long game and building brands and and not having those knee jerk reactions. And as a sales guy, you know, I have to fight those urges sometimes to not. Take that quick sale at the expense of building that brand equity within the brand. So really interesting. Yeah, so it's 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 a different mindset, the the long game versus the but short there's game. There's a
1: takeaway and, and you know, Steve brings up, you know, we talk about the Netherlands and culture and there's a commercial and uh, I think and ATT is trying to push it okay is not okay. You need to be right. better than okay. Someone's translating a business meeting and he speaks Dutch. Uh, <laughs> right he's speaking Dutch. Oh, and, right, right, with
0: the hug right now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and he the says, hug. I really
1: need this deal instead he says, I need a hug and he, it's happening, the deal's getting done. No, it's not. But there is a, a larger takeaway, and that is we, we tend to be somewhat, even this global economy of connectivity in this global world in which we all connect with different continents daily in social media, LinkedIn, what have you, is that when in Rome, you still need to act like the Romans. You need to understand customs and practices and standards because when you're in their house... The, you should operate as they do right. aside from the emperor's new clothes and telling him he looks great they still want to hear it but there's a way in which people forget that culturally this is how things are done you have to you have to keep that in mind don't you
0: Yeah you do but you know for us all culture differences are overcome by a nice shot of Geneva that, that <laughs> usually that usually <laughs> clears the air and wipes the slate clean so, so the, the question begs and
2: I and I have had this conversation with people in the beer business can you be effective in the you know spirits or the beer world and not drink
0: you can yeah i think there, there you are can. people who there there, maintain are, there are total abstinence or or you know very limited consumption you know in this day and age you you don't have to be out every night mm-hmm. it's it's it it, it, it kind of is like it was 25, 30 years ago where the relationships are still first and foremost. But in the right.
1: 90s, though, let's be honest, in the 90s, that was a different
0: world. Yeah, in the 90s, <laughs> your relationships happened at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, right. you know, across the bar or in a nightclub. Yep. Nowadays, with all of the different ways to connect with people, you, you don't have to be out right. every night to maintain those relationships. I, I, think that, I
2: get asked that a lot of times because I'm a social guy. I enjoy that, but I'm not a guy that stays in the bar after... But even when right. we had dinner right. in New York, right? right. I, I, you're a happy yeah. hour guy. Nine, you're, I'm a happy you're hour at yeah. nine nine thirty. You know, listen, after ten o'clock, you don't see me in the bar,
0: <laughs> and I'm that way now too. Yeah, I'm that I mean, way it's now just too. Just nothing
2: great for me happens after ten o'clock in a bar. So you know, but that's not the way it used to be. When I was no. in the phone business, I was the last guy to
0: leave. Yeah. So was I. I felt so, like I had I, to be. I, I, always with got stuck with the, I always got stuck with the check. <laughs> exactly. <right. laughs> last guy maybe that's why I was the last guy. <laughs> that's why you're so popular. Yeah, maybe.
2: And Brad's maybe. got it covered. They, they so, were fun days, though. So they they there's fun creating fun brands,
1: days. and then there's developing brands, right? We live in an age in which everyone claims, and they should probably wrap their arms around the fact that they are a brand. Sometimes you need to be what it is that you're not. And when I say that, I mean sometimes what you want to be as a brand isn't how the consumers see you. You need to be flexible, correct, as to what it is, how it is. They Like you talk about Natty Ice, right? They're never going to be seen as that luxury,
2: you know, that opulent. I would never drink it. It was all brand. over the table. Yeah. I wouldn't even touch a can. But, but
0: they're, they're comfortable in their own clothes. Correct. Right? Comfortable in their own clothes. They know what they are. They know their identity. And they play to it, hundred percent. And
1: it's being how they see you, not because the perception truly is the reality in branding. Is it not how you're perceived? Is what you are.
0: Perception is reality. And as a marketeer, it's sometimes it's difficult to put yourself in the consumer's shoes. You know, I would deal forget about marketing, but I would deal with decision makers in bars and restaurants. You know, and they wouldn't like my brand, or they wouldn't want my brand because their palate it didn't agree with their palate. It wasn't a brand that they saw their, you know that they didn't like and you know the, it was the it was very rare for me to hear a decision maker talk about their consumers wants right it's not like, for me but right, right, I, I know right, right. right hey this isn't my speed but you know i'm looking at the data i'm seeing what's going on in the industry We're going to give it a shot because the data tells me that consumers are drinking it. That's a great
1: point is that you have to remember it's not what you think. It's what they all think.
2: Which is probably the biggest misnomer in branding, and that has transpired to people now when I do my seminars and stuff on personal branding. Mm -hmm. Listen. You are who you are a genuine you, how you're showing up in someone else's mind that's where right. where it happens yeah you know? what you and want you can't your brand control to be, that
1: what you want your brand to be and what it truly needs to be are often very different things And when you embrace how it is you are viewed and what your brand is, not what you want it to it be may not, right. you're probably going to be a lot more successful
0: Yeah and, 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 and you find yourself then playing to your strengths mm. and not trying to reinvent yourself or not trying to create something that may never materialize. You know, there, you have to find that balance between improving where you're weak, but but ultimately as a brand, you have to try to play to your strengths. You know, it's fascinating. That conversation
2: comes up in sales training a lot, you know, because when I get in and do my assessments, I, I'm the kind of guy that I says, listen, if you're good at something, I can help you get great at it rather than spend time. On taking something that you're weak at, you're probably not passionate about. You're never going to be that good at it. <laughs> so even incrementally, if you suck at something and then try and get okay at it, it's better to go good to great. So where's
0: the greatest up? Where's the best upside? Where's the best upside? How, what's going to so be the best use of your energy? Yeah. And,
2: and that. So so hearing that in that vernacular like rang to me like "Hmm, that's the same kind of conversation
0: when we say certain
1: brands right it evokes certain emotional response if i say volvo i think you you think safety safety, right right? as much as they want to be sexy so pabst blue ribbon you think blue collar cans right two dollar cans you are what they say you are not what it is that you want to be and as soon as you embrace that uh you're on the path to being a little bit more
2: successful i
1: simply stated
2: i agree Yep. So I have a question. So um on a personal level, biggest win cuz you've been in lots of big sales mm. deals,
0: biggest win and biggest loss. Yeah, my biggest win was was for me was when I left Southern and went to work for DeSorono. Yeah, you know, they hired me to Start their U.S. organization. I was emplo- employee number one. Oh wow! And, I don't. Uh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So okay. you know, so Bacardi had been the importer of DiSorona for 25 years. The contract was coming to an end. The owner felt we would do better in the U.S. having our own team in place, and they they hired me. You know, and I came from a place at Southern in New York where I managed. You know, I had 600 people reporting to me. Wow. And now I walk. I literally walked into a 4,000-square-foot office <laughs> with a, f- a table like this, a folding <laughs> table and a couple of chairs. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a phone. We didn't have a bank account. We didn't have...
2: So you basically started so that So li- I,
0: I literally, I hired people. Why, that, take, why I, take on that challenge? You know, because I, I just felt that... You were betting on yourself? I, I felt that I had gotten where I was going to get with Southern. And mm-hmm. I, I just didn't see myself there for the rest of my life. And, a great I, and, I, and I wanted a new challenge. And I, and the high, the unfortunate part about any organization is the more you grow, the further you get away from what made you good. <laughs> that's so and funny. for me, wow, that's for, a big takeaway for me, what made me good was being out in the market, the relationships I built. We talk about it a lot, being entrepreneurial. And unfortunately, at, the, at that stage of my career, I spent my entire day sitting in the conference room, interacting with our suppliers, having review meetings. It
1: wasn't playing to your strengths.
0: wasn't playing or, to your Or your strengths.
1: passion, probably.
0: For sure. Right, when you talk about what you love,
2: mm-hmm. you love being in front of people, you're good at it, the further away you get, yeah, and it can't so, be as much fun. And so,
0: you know, managing a group of that size, you know, I really had resources to help me all along the way. And I left Southern, took this opportunity, and I didn't know the first thing about being a supplier. Now, no. I, like literally, they would send me an email saying, hey, we need your five-year business plan. I would hang up the phone and call five friends and say, "What so is this? what the hell's a five-year business plan? <laughs> what is this? Like, I, I, you know, I I was living from day to day. Like how many cases of this brand did I sell ship yesterday for today? And now they want a five-year five business plan and an org chart and a three-year P&L and, and overheads. And, and literally, so I... Called all of my supplier friends and I said, Help, I need help. I, I you know
2: And they all did, I'm sure. They all
0: they all pitched in and at the same time I'm hiring people and finding recruiters to find my executive team and <laughs> going to T Mobile and opening up, you know, a, a a corporate phone account and and they could they didn't even have a bank account in the US. They couldn't they're like, You're hired but we can't pay you until October. You know, we'll we'll see you in October. Wow. by the time we get our corporate papers cuz you're also the president of the company and you got to sign everything and we wow. got to file it before we can open banks cuz banks won't give which us credit which is the ultimate entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial I mean right? like and you this know
2: this is what it is man boom 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 you know it, every day is a like new, every,
0: yeah. uh, and and the reason it was my biggest win was because I went from being so comfortable to being so uncomfortable mm. and I really I really pushed myself and forced myself to not only learn The business on the fly right but to manage the business and make sure that the business was still successful even though for six months I literally had no idea
1: there's lots of wisdom and there's lots of memes and there's lots lots of Gary Vee quotes and whatnot about how you can't grow if you're comfortable and you have to step out of that and whatnot but there's a difference between you know choosing to do that to become uncomfortable and having to sometimes jobs go away Sometimes promotions disappear. Sometimes demotions take place, and now you're forced to do what it is that you do. You, you know, Sully Sullenberger talks about the definition of being a hero—the pilot that put down the American Airlines sure, flight. Sure. Was, yeah, in the and he Houston. said, "I don't consider myself a hero because I didn't have a choice." I'm right. never I was saying the. in the plane. I was saying the matter of <laughs> it. You know, right. the heroes are the, the the firefighters that run into the burning buildings, not the ones. They that, had a choice. Not the ones that run out of there, you know, carrying a baby. Right. right? Yeah. There's a difference. So, so you. That's a great
2: point. That's yeah. That's a
0: really great
1: point. I know. It's like, how do I work it into this conversation? Because it reminds me of.
0: <laughs> he well, keeps, no, keeps that one in his back pocket just in case. No, because <laughs> it,
1: it always comes to mind to me, you know, because it's such a brilliant, simple thing that Sally Sullenberger put into perspective for me that puts into perspective when somebody's running into a building as opposed to running out. We hear about, you know, the kid, you know, I deal with lots of sick kids and charity work and they are brave and courageous and I have a goddaughter who adopted me as godfather, a two-time cancer survivor by the age of six. And, you know, they talk about, you know, being a hero and it's like, well, this is what you had to do to live. Brave, yes. Courageous, yes. I was in bed Saturday with a hangover in New York City and I thought, god forbid i got to go through chemotherapy because i would just say give up i right, give up yeah, i don't have the strength right. to do it yeah. but but there's a difference let's go back just a little bit between your, your strengths your your passion and your strengths sometimes people have strengths and it's not their passion sometimes people are really good at things and they don't love to do it i know lots of fighters that don't love to fight they just happen to be really good at it and it's them to make yeah, a living and, and to become famous and to have platforms so for you, it was not just the day-to-day and the face-to-face relationships. It was your passion. It was also your strength. But there are times in which it's one, not the other. Yeah. Well, you it? know
2: what's fascinating about that whole story is that someone made a decision to put you in that spot knowing full well that you didn't have the, Did they know that? the traditional yeah, they, quality. They had to have. Yeah. Th- they, they made a choice on you, not on what. You know, you here's my resume. Right. You know, they made this is this guy could get it done. But they they knew what
1: they were getting. You weren't BSing.
0: No, no, no. Okay. No, I sold them on the fact that with this kind of a transition, they needed somebody. They didn't need a supplier to manage the business. They needed somebody to manage the transition from a major importer like Bacardi to your own team Mm -hmm. to make sure that your distribution network around the country stayed focused on your brand. And that's a big move, man. That's, that's a, move. A, big big move. Move. a big move. big move. And there and there I can, you know, I could give you a list this long of brands that made those kind of moves that lost 15, 20, 30% of their share and never wow, got it back. And never got it back. You know, once somebody eats that shelf space, right. man, it's uh, right. It's, so when you make those kind of transitions, you know, there's a tendency for the current brand owner and the new brand owner, the current brand owner to take their eye off their ball. The new brand owner really needs 12-18 months to figure it out. And the distributors, you know, if nobody is managing that business within the distributor, they're gonna forget about it too, because guess what? Typical distributor around the country, you know, is selling eight, nine hundred, a thousand different brands. Great so they have all Crazy. these brand owners beating them up for share of mind. And if you're not there, if you're not in line, knocking on that door and and, and asking for that share of mind, guess what? The distributor's not gonna be out selling you. So that tr- managing that kind of transition is is what i sold them
1: up. I'm I'm trying to think of a great comeback story of a brand in the last 30 35 years and I'm hard pressed to come up with one there where is a where one. a brand was it and then the downfall and then the reinvention Well, I Shinola
2: is a good one.
1: You yeah. Know,
2: Shinola was something All totally right. went away. Yeah. Came back and now it's watches and bicycles in yeah. a hotel. Yeah. What about
0: PBR? I mentioned PBR earlier. Yeah. What about PBR? Yeah, I mean, Pabst is is, is cool and edgy and kind of. It's kinda... still a
2: shitty beer that they, yeah. people right, made think it's, that it was cool to but drink it again. A, right, right, there's a know? Kid
0: Rock
1: culture to
2: it. Yeah, You yeah. know,
1: there's an American. What's
2: fascinating, though, and this is so true in in the the deals that we get into now, we look at all different kinds of opportunities. We're betting on the jockey. We're, we're looking at the guy going, I'm going to bet the farm on this guy that when the shit hits the fan, he can handle it. He's gonna be there. He'll have the passion because that's the difference. Yeah, there are plenty of people who are book smart and have all of the mm-hmm. you know they can show me all the degrees and stuff like that. But listen, man, when it gets hot in here, man, yeah, no, it you're gets right, really hot. Yeah, man. yeah. You
0: know, I love Shark Tank. Shark Tank yeah, is one of great. my favorite shows, and and those guys and girls that are sitting there making the decisions. Nine times out of ten, they're making the decision based on the person. Totally. Not the brand. Totally. Really? Not so, the brand. Oh, totally.
1: I, I didn't realize that show aired off of airplanes. The only time I've ever seen it is on airplanes. i always seen uh, I, it on I, planes. I, I'm
0: a Shark Tank junkie because <laughs> I love that. I love that, you know, everybody's selling everybody mm-hmm. on that show. I love that dynamic. All right. we, we, we have uh, open
2: dialogue with Damon John, and, you know, he has Shark Ventures. There's uh-huh. 60 other products that he's taken to market, and— to your point, some of them have been little kids, you know, Mo's Bows. Yeah, you sure. know, Mo's yeah, just an bow ties amazing and... kid, you know. So the bet was on him, right. not on bow ties, right? You know, it was like,
1: like Lee Iacocca kid, you know. with uh, Chrysler in the early yeah, years. Yeah, so sure. when Lee Iacocca became the face
0: of, 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 corporate America. Corporation. Yeah, of corporate America, forget it, he was the. You know, he was the corporate savior because you believed in him. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So instead of the commercial being Ricardo Montebon with the, the Chrysler Cordova, Corinthian leather, <laughs> the rich Corinthian leather, yes. it was instead, it was this little what old are man. What the chances
2: that we would be talking about Corinthian leather on
0: this
1: And, show? and, and Ricardo Montebon.
0: <laughs> full circle. And, full Ric- circle, and
1: Ricardo Montebon. But but here was, you know, but, the, but I talk about this often on our radio show that we do in real life on a daily basis. And that is, you know, humans are fallible. And Subway learned the hard way when they made this Jared success story the face of their brand. Not just restaurants and locations, but of the food itself. And the kid is in prison today for pedophilia. Yeah, ooh. So, you know, Tony the Tiger never did anything wrong. And, you know, animated characters can't get you in trouble, which is why they're associated with cereals and toys and things like that, right? So there is something to be said for be careful when you make a human being, you know, the face and be all of your brand. Look at George Foreman. Some crappy manufacturer made those grills. When his contract was up, he, anybody could have made them. He's still
2: people, on the air doing shit with his kids. Now.
1: People, people were going to buy his Foreman grill. They don't care who makes it—GE right. or RCA right. or Salton or whoever. They had to pay out the wazoo to re-sign him because he could have gone anywhere with that. Right. All right. So inversely, yes, you about your biggest win. Now you got to tell us about your biggest loss.
0: You know, my my biggest regret, I would say, it's you know, I don't, I don't know how you quantify loss but you know growing starting off in this business and working as hard as i did and making the sacrifices that i did you know not spending the time with my family Good we talked that we talked yeah. about being out we talked about you yeah. know being the last guy in the bar you know that comes with a price you know and i had two young kids at home and i had a wife at home and uh you know i didn't spend enough time being with my boys that, that i could have and uh you know that's certainly something that I regret. I've discussed. I've discussed it with them. We've talked yeah. about it a bit. And uh, you know that's re- if there was something I could change, if there was something that I could go back and and fix, it would be. And you know they turned out great, and our relationship is great. But you know there's no making up for that. Not having the presence so with What's them.
2: interesting about that is that in some of the coaching that I do, you can't undo that, yeah. but you can teach them a different way because we got taught, go make the money, right. go do. Be the breadwinner, support guy, your family. Be the guy, that's you what know? you do. So yeah. that was the role I took. It was like, that's all that mattered, and then the rest of the stuff would come. And it wasn't until I was older that I said, oh, shit. Right. Right. But you're making up for it now. uh, Totally. And and, and I'm training young people to understand that they pick and choose where to spend their time, what the value points are, so your kids will be better. My boys are better because they understand... That they make the decision, right. not anybody else. You're a cautionary tale to some
1: degree. Yeah. There's an old saying that uh, no man ever lay on his deathbed wishing he spent more time at work. Right, right? That's the old saying. Right. Brett Dunn, appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Oh, man, man that Thanks. was Thanks. really we're fast. Done. 30, we're done. 31 Holy minutes. Done. <laughs> done. Thanks, done. fellas. That yeah. was, this was great. Unbelievable. This was it's great. A, it's always a good sign if that's the case. I appreciate the time. Steve, as we wrap it up, number eight, four, tell us something good as we put this one.
2: Well, <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you promised me a bottle of
0: Rip we <laughs> go Happy Van Winkle, Happy Van Winkle. Van Winkle, Pappy
1: Van Winkle. Oh, yeah. bourbon.
0: You yeah. got it. You got it. Wow. <laughs> I'm
2: teasing you. Could,
0: no, uh, he's
1: not. No, he's not. He's not teasing. <laughs> we talked
2: about it when I, I was just, and I just thought it be a good You forget. Fun.
1: I've got my master's in nonverbal communication. I'm really? watching your body language. You are not kidding. You want that bourbon. You
0: got it. You know what? I do. Nobody what I do. I was just joking about wanting a bottle of Pappy. Said nobody ever.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Appreciate you, Brett that, Dunn. Man. Thank this you for was the time. super
0: fun.
2: Yes, uh, it was. Great takeaways. Uh, Want
1: to try for 85?
2: Let's do 85. Okay, we'll keep going. So 85 would be... Um, Lots of people. Yeah, let's think about it. It's Mark Duper. Correct?
0: Super Duper. Super, duper. super, super duper. duper. And that
2: you remember our days with uh, the... Oh, you boy. Know, yeah. Dan, oh well, boy. He's really good friends with Dan. I mean, we, we had yeah. this conversation... Offline, yeah. but it's like. Daniel
1: likes a beverage from time to time. There's certain guys. Danny Danny
0: does, he's 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 big in the beverage business. He's yeah. a partner in a tequila. He's got his own wine. Is he anyway, a partner in that room? in Rock and Roll Tequila? I didn't know that. Oh, he, wow. Him and Damien Huard are making unbelievable wines in Washington State. It's called Passing Time. No kidding. Yeah. For
1: Steve Nodelberg. Wow. We gotta wrap this one up, fellas. I know we could sit here and talk all day. uh, For Steve Steve Nittelberg, Josh Cohen saying, uh, "Let's open that uh, bottle of Pappy Van Winkle." No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody. Thanks.